guys, it's Blush Cameron here with a new episode of my new podcast. What you just heard was a clip from my new single called Ribbons on the Cuffs. You can listen to it wherever you want. I'm going to keep the intro pretty short. Uh, today I'm talking to my friend Haley, also known as Absinthe Father. Uh, I think we had a really great conversation about everything from drug abuse and sobriety to learning to play music as an adult, to making a living selling vintage band shirts. And of course, we talked about all their new music and their new projects. So if you're not familiar with their music already, uh, go check it out on whichever streaming service you prefer. Uh, And... uh, Give them a follow on social media, uh, just Absinthe Father. Search that on whatever platform you uh, also prefer. <laughs> um, uh, one more thing to note is that the audio quality changes after a few minutes um, because they had to switch from their phone to their iPad. So I apologize. Um, I think you can get used to it, or at least I did when I was listening back to it. I got used to it. Um, so sorry, I'm still figuring out how to do this thing the right way. Uh, okay. Thanks for listening. Here's the episode. Uh, what are you up to today? Um, I got a new amp this morning in Delaware. I'm so excited. What kind of amp? Uh, it's a 1973 Trainer Mark III. Whoa, I don't even know what that is. I'm like such, so not a gearhead, but I... I go, I go through phases where I like, because for the past two years, so I started playing music three years ago, like I never touched a guitar until then, um, and... The first amp I ever got was like this PV chorus, which I loved. But then maybe two months after, I got a JC120, like a 1979 JC120, oh, and wow. I've never, never needed anything else. I got it for two hundred dollars off of Craigslist. What? The dude, like, the okay, the the um, because I know that the, amp. I'm pretty sure the and that's plug like a good one, grounded. Right? Oh yeah, it's 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 amazing, and like especially the ones from the 70s and 80s, like they're lauded over. But the plug wasn't grounded, so he sold it to me for super cheap, and I just soldered on a new, um, a new plug, so it works perfectly. But I like to get that one serviced like every six months because there's not a lot of people I trust with it. I like to go to a specific place like 45 minutes away, mm. and they have to like order parts because it's so old. So if I, if I ha- like turn it in to get serviced, I don't have an amp in the meantime. So I was like in the, in the kind of market for a new amp for the past year because I tour so much and then quarantine happened and I'm just like, well, all I do is play music anyway. I might as well go get a new amp. So I did it and I'm really excited. That's sweet. I just have a um, Fender Hot Rod Deluxe, I think. I don't, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how mine, like, looks aesthetically, but I'm not super keen on how it sounds. But the other thing, you know, that keeps me from being a gearhead is I pretty much always play 
this sounds crazy, but I always play acoustic electric. That when doesn't I'm, sound crazy. When I'm writing, I don't. I just play my acoustic not plugged into anything. That's what I do. Oh, really? Yeah, that's how I write. I can't write plugged in. It sounds weird. Yeah, huh. I <laughs> thought I was the only person that did that, because, I mean, I know of people writing on a ac- regular acoustic guitar. But, um, yeah, I don't like being loud when I'm just, like, playing by myself. I like yeah, to be usually, quiet and inward. I, I feel the same way. And, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that. I mean, everybody has their own process, but for me, like, it starts with, like, an emotion, and that emotion can't be captured if it's loud. I don't know why. It's kind of like when you're, you know, when you're driving and, like, you you smell something or you're, like... You, I don't I don't know something else is happening you're like you're trying to like see further in the road or like you pass by a gas plant and you're like I don't know you smell something and you turn the radio down so you can like hear or see or smell better I don't know why I do it but it's the same thing with writing music it's like if it's already loud I can't feel it I absolutely yes I completely agree it's like yeah it's too much like uh auditory I can't think Yeah, I I feel the same way. That's funny. Lately, I've been, I write like out loud acoustic, like sometimes, but lately I've been plugging into like my interface with my acoustic Mm. with headphones on. And like, I like it to be like real controlled. Mm -hmm. So that's been fun for me too. But I don't know, this past month, like I was in North Carolina, and my parents have these really pretty wind chimes on their deck and I was like just playing music outside and the wind would blow and the wind chimes were in the background. I was like, damn. Wow, that rocks. This this is amazing, yeah. Uh, Are they from, you said South Carolina? North Carolina, Carolina. yeah. I I grew up there. I was born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. So I I was down there. And then um, when my, my grandpa had been sick for a really long time and when he got sick, he decided that him and his wife, my grandma, uh, and then my aunt and my dad, um, they all wanted to go in on this lake house. I grew up like kind of going to a lake. We had a, we had like a really shitty dock, um, but no house or anything. So we'd go up for a day and then come back down to Durham. It's like an hour away. Um, and when he got sick, he was like, let's build a house for everybody to like, kind of, you know, be at because my cousins live in Malvern, Pennsylvania, which is like mm. right outside of Philly. And then obviously my parents and my grandparents both lived in North Carolina. So they built this house and I got to spend some time there. I did some housework. I mean, I got to see all the sunrises and sunsets on the lake. It was so peaceful. Wow, that's so awesome. We very grateful for that. Um, we just went to New Jersey, like uh, Millville, New Jersey. We went swimming yeah. yesterday. That's cool. Is there like a, a swimming hole or was it like a lake? Yeah, it was like a, a blue hole, quote unquote. Oh, that, that's the best. I like. I, Is that like a thing? How long oh, have yeah. you been in Philly? I've been in Philly for two years now. Yeah, I just renewed my lease for, I guess it's like the second time renewing, but the third time I've signed the lease in the place I live in. And were you you in North Carolina up until then? No. So I moved. I left North Carolina. I went to school in Granville, Ohio. I went to Denison. Okay. And then when I, that's like 40 minutes outside of Columbus. And when I graduated, I stayed in Columbus for of like two years and then I moved out here so I guess that's how you know like all those Michigan people then so I yeah I, I um 
I dated someone that lived in Ypsilanti. So I, yeah, when I, when I graduated, um, so I would go up there like Wednesday through Sunday, (laughs) pretty much every, every week that I could. Um, I did work a lot, so sometimes I couldn't get up there for a couple weeks, but I spent a lot of time there and, um, I, he was in a band called Swordfish, which was yeah. like a, yeah, so I, Kyle, he's that, the best person ever. Oh, um, yeah, I know Kyle. Yeah, yeah Swordfish, he, yeah. That was like a emo. Yeah. How would you, how would you describe it? Um, I would say Midwest emo. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, everyone looks at me like I'm, I don't know, like an, a, an aficionado <laughs> on genre, and I have no idea what anything is ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Maybe it's like maybe uh well i mean you know a lot of maybe not a genre you may not know a lot in terms of genre but you know a lot of music yeah i do i i mean all i do is listen or play music all day every day which is a beautiful beautiful thing but um with genre i've never been someone who likes to describe things as in a genre, I'd rather describe like a feeling that it emotes, whether or it, whether it or f- go ahead. Whether it fucks or not. Oh no, I hate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay, um, but no, I like I, I like texture. So if you listen to my music, it's I kind of like I try to weave different textures together, and it doesn't necessarily fit into anything. And I feel like when I when I hear something, it's the same thing. Oh, it like, it feels like a warm day driving on the interstate, no other cars around windows down music up. Like, or I'll be like, it sounds like this band and this band had a baby that grew up listening to this band. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like that's a little bit more descriptive because genre can be very, it just feels like a box and I don't want to, yeah, I don't ever yeah. want to be placed in a yeah. box. I mean, so. it sometimes describes the scene or like the, type of sure. like you know it's not even necessarily the sound sometimes yeah that's um, very true but you know it's all nuanced but i think that that's a good way to do it and I, isn't spotify doing that's how spotify kind of does it sometimes right like where they've talked about like describing music as a as a sunny day music or something I, I, if they do that, I, I might like them a little bit more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Spotify has like a lot of perks. Um, my Discover Weekly lately has been very, very good. So shout out, I guess. Nice. But yeah, also shout pay, out to Spotify. Please, but also play, pay us more, please. Thank you. Yeah, play, pay us more. <laughs> and particularly if you want my podcast on your service. Well, it's already on your service. But if you want to deal like the Joe Rogan thing, you can definitely... <laughs> I'm open to doing that exclusivity deal. <laughs> Please pay us all your money. Thank you. If you were the only podcast on Spotify, oh, you'd be so rich. Uh, so how is like the, uh, are you, are you like being like super affected by this quarantine in terms of, cause you were like paying rent off of touring, right? Yeah. What's um, happening? So I, <laughs> like less than a year into playing music I quit my job which was like very dumb but also the smartest and best thing I've ever done for myself ever um so I have not been employed by anyone but myself technically um for over two years now since May of 2018 um which is 
nuts because later in 2018, um, I did not have a home. Uh, I was living in my car and um, my grandmother had stage four esophageal cancer and I was like sleeping in the hospital. And then when she passed away, I didn't really have anywhere to go, which prompted me to figure out where I needed to move. And luckily I had my car, so I was able to sleep in it. Um, But a lot of people helped me out in that time. And I just I don't know. I, I decided I was going to go on this 45 day tour and I, like I was already sleeping in my car. So I was like, whatever, I'll just go on tour. I can sleep in my car. I'll just be in a different city every night and hopefully make like 30 bucks a night, whatever. And it was the coolest tour I've ever done. Wow. Um, and I, I made enough money to move to Philly, which was cool. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was it was nuts. And like the the first album I put out, I put out I think I put it out on my birthday in May, a couple months before all this happened. And that kind of blew up right around that time. And a lot of people just I mean, I can't even name the, the people that have helped me out because it's just innumerable. Um but somehow they connected with the record, which is one of the most I mean, there's no word for it, but it, it's it's the best feeling ever to have somebody just relate to something. And I didn't have any production. Like I didn't record. I recorded in my basement on like a four dollar Tascam recorder. Are you talking about good enough? Good enough. Yeah. And I did some other stuff before that, like just iPhone notes or like garage band demos. But I didn't know what I was doing. And I still didn't know what I was doing when I recorded that. But I sat in my basement the day I quit my job and I recorded all of it in 24 hours. And then I just released it I think wow. at 1 p.m. the next day. And it just it just really took off. So from like May to when I moved to Philly in September, um, I was just living off of money I made from that album. And then that tour, which was pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I I don't know how it all worked out. But so so, so it, it what are you doing now during the pandemic how are you getting by so i've been selling t-shirts on ebay for the past year or so maybe a little bit longer um i love vintage clothing like a lot of people do um and when i like i i had two bags two trash bags of clothing when i moved to philadelphia and then my amp and my guitar and that's it so <laughs> like that's it's nuts. I wish and now that was I'm me. Like, well, you do, but then you realize, like, oh, like I don't, I don't have enough money to do laundry, and all I have is this two trash bags worth of clothes, and I didn't have a mattress, so I was sleeping on my trash bags, which was annoying. But yeah. over time, like somehow, I'm looking around my room now, and I have been able to like, go, I, I thrift a lot. Um, I've been thrifting since I was a kid, and there's things that I just luckily held onto and had in those trash bags that. I over the past year have gone through and I mean I sold a Motley Crue t-shirt that I got when I was probably 12 13 years old for like $400 no, on man. eBay the other day. Yeah. So it's it's wild to realize that I've I've been sitting on those things that could have helped a lot but also it, it happened in the right time because I held on to it um until pretty recently. I don't know how I would have been able to get by the pandemic if I didn't have those things. So and yeah. then once you get once you get some cash from from that kind of stuff, you can buy more clothes and then sell it for more. And it's all capitalism and it all sucks, but 
if you do it in an ethical way, if you're not going into like a, a thrift store and then selling something you got for $4 to yeah. somebody who doesn't have money like right. that for, for a hundred, then as long as you're not doing that, then I, I think mean, it's okay. Hell, it sure beats, you know, having a boss at like a, you know, a restaurant job or something. I'd way rather do that, I think. Yeah, and I, that's what I did before. I've been I've been in the service industry for, I mean, for forever. My one of my first jobs was um, at uh, Blue Olive in Durham, North Carolina. You should go. It's an amazing place. It's a Greek restaurant, and um, yeah, I, I waited tables there until I left North Carolina, and then I worked at this Italian restaurant in Columbus, and that's all I did. But I wanted to not do that anymore to say the least it's it's soul sucking you know Um, i've been looking at on depop lately because i want to get like a corduroy jacket so i've been like look you know just keeping my eye on there and i'll see some like kind of crazy stuff that these zoomers are putting up like like uh somebody was selling some costco pants for like 70 dollars and somebody else is selling like a wendy's like like sh- like a shift worker type of t-shirt you know like the and a wendy's employee t-shirt uh is trying to sell that for like 40 bucks or something it's like what are you guys thinking ridiculous and i mean and this is like a definitely a thing in the culture and like the time that you and i live in um unfortunately people like to and they this is how it's always been profit off of the aesthetics of poor people yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty disgusting and and that's like always been my my qualm with with thrifting and doing vintage um resale it's just with what i only sell band t-shirts so i'm not like i'm not gonna buy like levi's that somebody could you know use to work in like i i feel like and maybe i'm excusing myself maybe i need to reevaluate but um the, the, that whole thing, the, the Wendy's shirt especially, it's just like, are you, are you serious? No, yeah, like, that makes sense to me. No one's like, I mean, even just from like a like a fashion standpoint, who's going to wear a Wendy's shirt like that? People do, all the like hype beast kids. I don't know why. They like, for some reason, they, they buy these things that look like they could be, you know, four or five dollars and they should be, and they buy them for like hundreds of dollars. I was watching... Unfortunately, I don't have TikTok, thank God, but people put TikToks on my Twitter timeline all the time. Uh-huh. And there was one that was like, this person was just wearing like head to toe gray and it looked like a, like a sweat, sweatpants, like sweat tank top kind of thing and like some beater shoes. And they were like, yeah, my outfit costs like $3,000. <laughs> it's like, that's not, that's not the flex you think it is. Uh-huh. Like, that's embarrassing. Uh, I, I can't, I can't stand it. Well, let me know if you see like a black corduroy jacket out there, like si- size M for a male. Size M. Do you want like a trucker jacket? Because I can definitely find it. Um, uh, maybe. Like one of the ones that are like a little bit more square and cropped right at the waist, or do you want one like mm. oversized? Uh, you know. When we get I'll, off, I'll, I'll send you. Text me pictures. Yeah, of I'll what send you a like. picture later. later. Um, yeah, I so got you. I don't really know like where to start we've already touched on a little bit but like since you started playing music as an adult i don't know like if we should really like how usually i like to start like way at the beginning to contextualize how people got to where they are musically Um, and most people that i talk to like start 
playing guitar when they're like a tween, you know? So, yeah. I mean, you're the first person, so it's interesting in this way, but you're the first person that started an adult, but it's just also made it feel more convoluted in my mind. I don't know, how, what kind of like upbringing and teenage years did you have? Weren't you a sports person? consider myself a jock to be honest but um yeah I played college uh volleyball and I swam and um I I mean I did sports my whole life my parents and my grandparents are all big sports people uh my grandpa uh Tom Butters um he hired Coach K, if you know who that is, Duke, big basketball guy, um, because my grandfather was athletic director there. And before that, he pitched for the Pirates. Like, he's just, he's the start of our athletic family. And then my dad um, was always into sports. He played basketball at uh, Ohio Wesleyan, which was my rival school, actually. And my mom played tennis. My sister swam and played tennis. My brother played basketball. He's a basketball coach at Charleston Southern. Um, it, we've just been a whole sports family my whole life, but wow. growing up for me was a little bit different than my siblings. I think, I think a lot of people who are musicians can relate to the whole feeling like a black sheep in your family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was definitely my experience. Um, I started doing drugs and drinking at a really young age. I was like 12 and, um, somehow I don't need, I mean, I look back and I'm just like, how the, how did I hold everything together? I had like 17 different lives constructed that I was living and just trying to balance. And like, I would wake up in the morning, skip my first period and go do heroin with my friend Nick. And then I'd go to class for the rest of the day. And then I'd go to volleyball practice. Like that was a normal high school day for me, which is insane. And I mean, I was so good at hiding it. My parents didn't know until late, like I got to college that I had a problem. And I never really hung out with people at my high school unless I was like using or if I was drinking or going to a party. It was just, I don't know. I had, I had my hand in so many different pots that like nobody really knew who I was. Had so, you like discovered alternative music at that time or was it purely just like sports and drugs and skipping class? I, I was dating someone four years older than me at the time, and um, that, which is a whole another thing. But uh, he had a house like that he would run shows at. That was my first experience was um, with like house shows and stuff and DIY. And it was mostly mostly like hardcore and metalcore and like stuff like that. That um, not a lot of people that I was friends with was were into, but I liked it because I you know, was dating this person I thought I had to. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I've always been into into music. My mom loves music and would always take me to FYE and we'd like sit there with my head, the headphones on listening to different CDs that were available. And I don't know, I've always been music adjacent. Mm-hmm. And I started helping my, my boyfriend at the time like book better acts that I wanted to see, but he never like really let me be involved the way that I wanted to. So I just kind of, you know, I had one foot into everything, like sports, music, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to college and I, I just like, I don't even know what I started listening to in college. Cause up until that point, it was like pop country, bad hardcore and metalcore. And then 90s radio hits, pretty mm-hmm. much. 
And then I got into like EDM my freshman year in high school or in college, which was a time. And then I met my best friend or who would become my best friend in college. And she introduced me to like boxing and the hotel year and more, you know, emo, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. bands like that. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of people can also relate to this. Like my, my tastes are this melting pot of things that I've like kind of almost gotten super into (laughs) my whole life. So now I just, I listen to everything all the time. I don't even, I don't even know what to call my music taste. Were you online very much or was this all kind of stuff that was really just kind of word of mouth or like shown to you through other people? I never really got into like, I I had a Twitter, but it was, it wasn't, it was like, I would just tweet about like, you know, getting drunk at a party in college or, you know, Oh, I have to go to practice or something like that. I was, I was never involved with music Twitter. Um, I didn't really, I don't, I'm trying to think of like my Instagram. Like if you scroll all the way back to my Instagram, it's just pictures of like, basketball games and sunsets like it's it's nothing music related whatsoever um and I didn't know what I think it's called chorus fm now I don't even know what it was called before but I didn't know what that was until like last year I never got into reddit or anything like that so everything that I was listening to were things that my friends would be listening to and I'd be like oh I'm I I like this I I'm gonna get more into this um, I never really forged my own music taste until I would say my senior year in college because I was just really honestly desperate for people to like me and to fit in places because I never really felt like I had a place because I was so spread out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like, oh, this person that I think is cool likes this. I'm going to get into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I know people still do that now. And I think that's, that's completely valid. That's how you can figure out what you like and don't like. But for me, it was like, if this person enjoys this, I have to enjoy this. Do you, <laughs> and, do you, do you yeah. feel like you had like an identity Ooh, like no. as a kid or like, do you feel like no. the drugs were like a side effect of not having that? Or like, did they play into that at all? For me, I, it's, it's really, it's interesting. I never felt like I had an identity until I got clean. Um, I got clean October 6th of 2018. Um, and like up until that point, I, I just felt like whoever I was depended on whoever I was around. Mm. Um, I was, I was kind of like a chameleon. So I don't know. It was just that. I guess for me, drugs were a way for people to be excited that I was there. Like if I showed up and I had something, people would would be excited to see me. And that's not real friendship, obviously. Like I can sit here and look back and know that now. And now people get genuinely excited to see me because of what I have to offer them. Not drugs, not um, sex, not like anything like that, just purely because of who I am, which is a beautiful thing. I think I've changed. I mean, I've done a whole 360 or 180, whatever that phrase is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kind of like, I think we knew each other like, uh, briefly before you got clean. And I want to say that there is like a noticeable difference in just like your attitude and like, kind of like 
down-to-earthness, you know? Because I don't tense anymore. Like, I don't, I don't feel... And I mean, obviously, I still get nervous to talk to new people or have anxiety, but there, there's no nothing in me that says this person is only going to like me if I behave in this way, which is how I felt my entire life. Like, I, I always was so worried about saying the right things or like being aligned with the right people. And now I can just, I've formed my own identity. And I met, like, I just never thought that I'd be able to do that. So I think the people that knew me before, which honestly are not a lot of people, I look back at the person that I was and I wouldn't want to be friends with me. So I didn't really keep a lot of friends from the time that I was using. The only people that I really keep in contact with are like my old roommates, um, who played in a band called Queer Kevin, like Felix is my biggest fan and is the, I mean, they always tell me how different I am. Like I, I've changed so much, but I wish that like my friends now knew who I was then just to see like how, how different I was sometimes. But at the same time, I'm like, Oh, thank God you didn't know me. Cause we wouldn't be friends at all. <laughs> well, I mean, while we're here, congrats, you've done a great job. <laughs> <laughs> um, People are so, so weird about sobriety and like being clean, but, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing, but um, I don't know. I, I just, I learned from the people who got clean before me. They told me what to do, and I did it. So here we are. Was was it, like, a struggle to, like, get clean? Did you have to say, like, okay, I'm quitting, like, right now? Or was it – did it something eventually kind of click for you? Like, I don't want to do it anymore? Or, like, how was, you, how was it, like, getting over that um, initial kind yeah. of, like, realization that you need to get clean? Um. It's, I actually just talked about this on another podcast called High Notes, which I'm really excited to be a part of. Um, I'm excited about to come out. But um, for me, I like, I tried to get clean so many times before I actually did. I didn't, I go to 12 step program now. Um, and that has been my savior. But before I would, especially in high school, like I'd be like, okay, I'm not gonna do heroin. I'm only gonna drink. And I, then I'd be like, I'm not going to drink. I'm only going to smoke weed. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to do anything, but I'll roll like every weekend, like any, any sort of substitution I'd, I'd go through just, you know, trying to find what worked for me. But the reality of drugs for me as an addict, which I didn't know I was an addict until this last time that I got clean, um, is that there's no way to use drugs successfully for me. Mm-hmm. Like I can't have a casual beer. I can't have, I can't, I can't just sit in front of the TV and smoke weed before I go to bed. That's not the kind of person that I am. I'll be up all night smoking and then I'll do something else and then I'll do something else. And it just, it always led to the same thing. And it wasn't so much as like a, a bottom thing happening. You know, we always talk about like you hit your bottom, but it's the, the feeling that I felt when I got there. And I didn't feel that, that feeling as deeply as I needed to until October 5th, the day before my clean date, or I guess October 4th, um, the 4th and 5th, it was my sister's wedding. And, um, yeah, we, my sister and I've always had a weird relationship, but we just like had a little altercation and, I just said, okay, whatever. I had probably like three months, quote unquote, clean. I was still smoking weed at that time. And uh, I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to get really drunk. And I got super drunk. And I said a bunch of stuff I didn't want to say to people that I didn't know. And I, I didn't ruin her wedding, but 
I definitely impacted her on a day that I should not have needed to be the spotlight the way that I did that mm. weekend. So the next day I like, I flew back to Philly and um, I confided in my now roommate, but at the time she was just a mutual friend of um, my friend Doug. And yeah, she was like, do you want to come to a meeting with me? And I was like, I mean, no, not really. But um, she kind of drug me to it and I went and I sat there and the moment I walked in the door, I, I knew that that's where I needed to be. I saw across the room, um, my friend Rob, who was actually the first person I had ever talked to about my experience with addiction, like two years before, because he played a show at my house in Columbus. And I was like, okay, if that's not some cosmic, I don't, can I say shit? Some yeah. cosmic shit. Okay. If that's not some cosmic shit, I don't know what it is. So I, I stuck around and I stayed and I don't know. I don't know what made it work this time. I don't know if it's the program. I don't know if it's the difference in where I was in my life, whether that's geographically, mentally, or emotionally. I don't, I have no idea, but I'm really grateful for it because since that day, I've never, never thought about using again. Yeah. There's so many well, factors. Yeah. Know. Um, how, so when, at what point did you like, uh, decide to start actually playing music and, um, did, did getting clean, like affect your songwriting before and yeah. after? Yeah. So I decided to start playing, um, I, I think it was, two, yeah, it was 2017, probably in the summer. Um, and then I started dating Kyle, like we were talking about earlier. And, um, I remember like the first thing I ever recorded was Graveyard, which I can't believe I listened to it the other day. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is something. Um, but I, I recorded all of that on my phone with his guitar, not plugged in. He played like this old telly um, while I was laying on his bed and I just recorded it all on my phone. And then I was like, okay, this is good enough. I like messed around with the settings on GarageBand on my phone and like, I was like, okay, I'll put it up. And I put it up. And that uh -huh. was like the first thing I ever put up. And then I did a couple other things. Um, I think I did like some covers and then that thing with Nest Lake that split, which was cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the time that I really decided that I was going to start playing was when um, this guy in Columbus had listened to the stuff that I put up and told me that I wasn't good enough. <laughs> oh god no it's fine it's fine like i mean yeah that sucks to hear but you know what like that stuff what i mean it, it is it is because any art that you create is so worthwhile like i will say that with my dying breath but it pushed me where i needed to go because i was like oh you don't think i'm good enough i'll show you good enough yeah. and like I remember after I put it and that's what good enough, like the album name comes from after mm. I put that out and he, he saw, cause you can see the supporters on Bandcamp When you look, you can look at all like the little different icons. Um, he was like, how did you do this? And I was like, you made me do it. Uh, <laughs> like, and, and not in a malicious way. I'm like, I'm truly thankful for it because if he hadn't have said that I probably would have just, you know, stayed the same forever playing the same couple of chords, not pushing myself. But instead I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to push myself and do it. And 
I also, I was running a house in Columbus at the time and, um, it was pretty much me and one or two other houses. And I never saw any, any bands that didn't have all men lineups, which is totally fine. Like, um, I will go to a show that has all men and not even think anything of it. Cause I don't, I don't really, I just don't really think about it to be honest. But at the time I was like, I don't see anybody that looks like me. Like, I don't think that I can do this. And that coupled with my ex-boyfriend from middle and high school telling me that like, I couldn't be involved with things that was like, okay, how do I create something for me, forge a place for myself and also make sure that other people who look like me can do it too. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where everything changed for me. So that was like around the, the May, you know, around that time in 2018, early 2018 to mid 2018, and then after I got clean, I just, I think that I got so much better. Like, I, I think you can hear the difference between Good Enough and Jane. Yeah. And then Jane with the next album, because the next album is actually going to be recorded, not by me in my kitchen uh, or my basement. But the, the difference is so palpable because I was, I, I just became clear of mind and all of the emotions that I had been suppressing with drugs and alcohol, I was able to write about in a in a in a way that was it was more of a feeling than than anything i don't even know how to explain it it's just when you when you try to push things down so much for so long they just bottle up and then when i wrote jane i wrote it in like three days and i wrote it at my kitchen table and i just i ended up journaling like everything that had happened from may to i think i released that in october maybe maybe November, I can't even remember. But um, right around that time period, I, I had written all of this stuff in a, in a journal and crafted the lyrics through that. And it just, it just all just kind of came out. It just exploded. And I don't know. It's, and since then, I've gotten so much better, too. It's been yeah, totally. wonderful. Because, uh, I, I, I mean, I was going to ask one of my questions was, how do you write a song? It sounds like they just kind of come out. Are you thinking about it when you... Like, are you thinking about how you wanted to sound or like what kind of structure you wanted to have? Like, what's the process for you there? I've never had a process, which is so, it's so silly. I kind of envy people who are like, okay, I'm going to, I want to write a song that sounds like this and it's going to have, you know, part A, part B, part C, part A, part B. And then, I don't know, I've never been that way. I think every song I've ever written, I've like sat down and written in the span of a couple hours. Um, That's cool. Which I know it's it's a little different than I think a lot of people, or maybe it's not. Maybe I maybe I'm not as unique as I think I am. Um, that's ego talking, probably. But um, I don't hear a lot of people writing that way. Um, I just yeah, I never have lyrics written. I never I never think like okay, I'm gonna do this. I just kind of sit down with my guitar. I usually play first and get get a you know some sort of guitar part that I like down and then I'll just sing random stuff over it and mm-hmm. see if it fits just mm-hmm. like things that I'm feeling. Um, and if it fits cool, if it doesn't, I'll move on to the next thing. So. Yeah. I kind of am like that. I suppose I like will find, I think I'm a little bit of like a combination. Like I find, I, well, first of all, I think about like what I'm feeling or like what kind of feeling I want to express and then I pick up the guitar and start, like, finding kind of chords that sound reasonable for that feeling and, like, 
then I start kind of riffing the vocal like gibberish over top, you know, and um, then think about the next part though. I think I, after that, at that point, I start thinking about like the structure of the song. But um, I think, I mean, it sounds like your way of doing things is like a really like, um, like uh, what's the word? Like direct, like direct to the emotional core of the song which I think you know resonates for your audience yeah I, th I think so I think that for me the only thing that I want is to be as honest and organic with my music as possible so whatever I'm feeling at that time if it, if it comes out then I, I like that's just where I am at that time and I, th I think that for me with music um it's what, what draws me is not the lyricism. I mean, some obviously like these are things that I, I care about. Like I listen to a lyric and I'm like, oh, that's a sick lyric or like, oh, that's a cool riff. But for me, it's like, if I listen to something, it makes me feel some sort of way and realizing that the way that I feel and the way that the person who wrote it felt at that time are probably pretty similar. It just feels like you connect so hard. And mm -hmm. I want that with my listeners. It's not, not so much of like, Oh, like I don't, I don't write party music, which is super cool. Like I love, I love music that just makes you feel good. But again, that's a feeling. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the actual music. Right, for sure. I, yeah, that's, that's real. Like, I kind of, like, um, am not looking for, like, an emotional response all the time from music. It's sometimes what I really like is just, like, getting amped up by it. And, like, it can be any type of song. Like, it doesn't have to be a party song. It can also be a downer song. Sometimes there's just something about it hits right, you know? When you're like, you realize that you're nodding your head in a certain way and you're like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice. And I, and I, that's why different, I guess, genres, different genres of music exist. Like I'm not going to feel the same way listening to my music as I am to like, when I listen to black metal or when I listen to hardcore or when I listen to, you know, indie rock, it, it's all, it's all different, but yeah, at, so the, at the core, we're all connected to, to something. And that thing I think is the emotion behind it. For sure. But that's a good point. I I want to talk about like your hardcore bands, but let's just finish off with the absent father trajectory. Like how, um, at what point did you see people like actually starting to listen to your music? I mean, I know that um, good enough, like you really, I feel like found your audience in a way, but like when and why do you think people started to pay attention? Oh gosh, I don't, I honestly don't even know. I feel like maybe around Jane was, was when people really started paying attention. I got some, some like, I don't, and I don't even know how, I don't know how it reached the people that it did, but it reached some people that I look up to music wise. Um, and that like, that was, that was cool to me. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I honestly don't know why things work out the way that they have, but I would say probably right around Jane. So was that 2018? Yeah, I, October. Time is flat circle like the earth. Like I, quarantine especially has made me lose track of everything. Dude, but. time is like sped way up for me in quarantine. It's like really scary. It was already going really fast as an adult, but yeah. It's weird. But yeah, so I guess, yeah, I guess October of 2018 was really when I saw things kind of pick up. And I, um, 
I did that tour. I brought a band called Jail Socks from Charlotte, North Carolina on tour, and I love them so much. Yeah, um, I want to talk to those guys, but I don't know them personally. So, I like their music. Yeah, they're awesome. They're all great people. Um, I, man, I, I really should keep in contact with them better than I, I have, but like we just kind of, you know, every couple of months we'll send each other memes. Um, uh-huh. Or like, you know, Coleman loves Blink-182, so I've never listened to Blink-182 before, and nobody believes me when I say that, but I literally haven't. I can recognize, like, two songs, the, uh, whatever, I don't know, Um, but I don't, I've never listened to Blink-182, so anytime I see something Blink-182 related, I'll send it to him, and then I introduced Aiden to Third Eye Blind, which is my probably my favorite band of all time if not my second favorite band of all time um but they love third eye blind now so any we'll talk about stephen jenkins sometimes and then i don't know they're all they're all really great that's an important um, introduction there what the third eye blind yeah yeah they did not want to listen to it like they were very resistant and then finally after after tour they did and i was like yeah that's right and they have the perfect they have the best opinions on it now too we both think out of the vein is superior which it is <laughs> uh-huh. wow i mean i'm only but like yeah. really familiar with the self-titled and uh what was it blue the one with uh never Great. let you go yeah you should listen to out of the vein i think it's the i think it's their best for sure it's, have, have you heard their new stuff yeah i have i i'm still trying to get the newer album to grow on me i i really liked the covers album um from um i guess two, i think it was 2018 uh they covered blood bank by bony Vare, which is sick but i think that their prime is out of the vein i would rank it out of the vein self-titled blue ursa major and then everything else actually red star like there's an ep called red star which is really good but anyway i digress uh, i didn't know about um, that oh there's so much i'll send i'll send i'll make you a little playlist i'm interested in red star and out of the vein so i'll yeah okay I'll Perfect. remember that later. Well, but yeah, I, t- I took Jail Socks on tour um, right around that time. I think it was November or December of 2018. Um, so right, like right after I got clean, I probably shouldn't have gone on that tour during that time. I remember my sponsor being like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I did it and I stayed clean, which is cool. And um, I think that that one was an eye opener for me because the first couple of shows for us were like, like 100 people came which is wild because every, every show I'd ever played before was like, I mean, like maybe 15 people. (laughs) Um, So that was really, really neat. And obviously on that tour, there were some where it's like, okay, five people came tonight, 30 people came the next night. Like it's all, it all varied. But the first week or two, um, I remember in Minneapolis, like Remo drive opened for us. Like it was, it was, it was weird. It was weird, but it was like, they did like a secret opener and I was just like, like what the heck? Uh, but, um, I thought they were like, yeah, we really want to open this show. I'm like, what? like, why? That's crazy. Do you think <laughs> yeah. like, what would, do you think this band fucks had anything to do with that in terms of like getting yourself out there? And also what was this band fucks for people who don't know? Okay. I do think it helped. Um, I mean, it's impossible to say that it didn't. Um, I, I started this fan Fox on 420 of 2018 <laughs> um, as a 420 joke because I was on a tour with my roommates at the time, Queer Kevin, um, and we were in Massachusetts. They played 
flywheel um, for some festival. I can't remember at this point, but uh, I just wanted to create the account and be like, queer Kevin fucks, because we were talking about how you can take any object and add an S to it and like, like, um, like slaps or I don't know. I mean, a- any object and just put an S on the end of it and be like this band blanks. And I just said, this band fucks. And everybody started laughing. I think uh-huh. we were really stone- stoned at the time. I mean, Dylan was smoking weed out of a chicken nugget. So, um, <laughs> but I started it and tweeted that. And then it got like a weird amount of attention, be- which was strange because Queer Kevin wasn't that big. They still aren't. Um, they should be. They're amazing. But um, I think the next thing I tweeted was like about how when I was in high school in it was either AP Chem or AP Bio and this girl Jessica who sat in front of me always wore this Avenged Sevenfold hoodie and I wasn't dating my boyfriend at the time we were on and off and we were in an off period and I was like oh this girl's so hot but I didn't know if anybody else like was bisexual like I didn't I didn't know because I'm from North Carolina and I didn't know any gay people I'm non-binary I didn't know any non-binary people or trans people so I was just like crushing on this girl that wore this Avenged Sevenfold hoodie every single day in like AP bio and one day I was like okay I'm gonna listen to every Avenged Sevenfold song ever I'm going to get really acclimated with this band and then I'm going to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And then I was like, yeah, Avenged Sevenfold, love that band. <laughs> like, uh-uh. Said some shit. And she was like, oh, this is my boyfriend's hoodie. Oh, man. So I, twe- I tweeted about that um, experience, like, you know, seven years after the fact, whatever it was. Um, and that one got like hundreds of thousands of likes on it and like the followers just ended up pouring in and so i just you know every day i'd tweet like steely dan fucks black sabbath fucks like whatever (laughs) and it would just all of them would would go somewhere um and then i started realizing like okay i'm giving my platform now that i have a platform i'm giving it to bands that don't really need it how can i you know take that back and start using it for for good and i started tweeting about diy bands and here we are (laughs) yeah i mean that was a great way to you know flip that up i think that's like a really commendable thing to do you should do um thank you I, i don't think i need like a commendation but i appreciate it but yeah like i just if you if you have a platform and you're and you're only using it to further other people with big platforms you know, audience. Well, like, what are you doing? I feel like people do do that though. I mean, they yeah. like, cause they are at a point where they're not like really big, but they're big enough to where really big, you know, artists or whatever see them. And so they kind of use their platform to like, um, pander, I guess, to like, you know, I mean, you could call it clout chasing, but I feel like it's just like kind of rare for somebody to like reach downwards, downwards. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. I, I think that's true. And I think, but I, I think that's how the cool stay cool. And some cool things shouldn't be cool at all. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of things that haven't, you know, been considered cool, uh, deserve that, that applause. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's the right thing to do. And ho- hopefully I, I, I think that I honestly, 
I don't want to say like I misused the platform, but I, I don't think I really had that mindset until I got clean where I was just like, okay, like let's, let's really start actively thinking before I post on the internet because it does influence people. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that I had that sort of power, but there is a power structure involved in Twitter when you have a certain amount of followers and you can really easily misuse that without realizing that you do. And I think that I kind of slipped into, into that. I don't want to call it cloud chasing, but I feel like I kind of, I kind of did. I was like, Oh, this cool thing. Like I'm going to tweet about it. Hopefully they notice me. Like, I think that's a natural thing that people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got clean, luckily I realized like, I don't need to do that. I can just enjoy the things that I enjoy without, you know, having to, you know, I don't know, construct this identity around this Twitter profile. So luckily I like snapped out of that when I got clean and I think I changed the direction of that account. Um, but yeah. Is it retired now? No, I still use it, but mostly what I do now is I, I make a playlist of like about a hundred songs. Um, some things that I have always loved some things that are newer that I'm listening to albums that just came out. And then I also, um, I create like a collaborative playlist. So I tweet that before I remake the playlist every month. And I'm like, Hey, like here is a collaborative playlist. You can add up to two songs that you want me to listen to. And I'll listen to the whole thing. And so anybody that follows that playlist or, you know, my Twitter account can add whatever they want me to listen to. It can be their own band. It can be a band from, you know, the sixties, it can be an album that just came out that they really are passionate about that they want me to hear. And I'll listen to that whole thing. And I'll take like half of the stuff that will go into the playlist from that collaborative playlist. And then the rest of it will be things that are kind of catching my ear for myself. And I, I remake that about every month. I try to make it every month. So I use the spend fucks for that. And then anytime I see a, you know, a band that um, I really enjoy, put something out, I'll retweet it on that. I'll, I'll just, I'll tweet about whatever I'm listening to. Cool. Well, I yeah. like the sound of that. Um, can you talk about what you're doing now musically then? Like uh, with the new Absent Father record and the stud count and drill sergeant and all that? Father, we are waiting. I'm so I've everything that I've recorded so far has been by myself, um, probably pretty poorly. I hate to say that, but it, I mean, it is. Um, but uh, in my kitchen or my basement, and it's all been me. And now we're gonna do a full band recording. Um, I am trying to figure out when we're gonna do it, but I, I feel like I can probably talk about it. Joe doesn't. I don't think he cares, but I, it'll come out on Don Giovanni, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm recording it with my friend Corey, who has done the new modern color record, soft blue shimmer, like a band that I love. And he's also happens to be in one of my favorite bands, Gleamer. So I'm really excited to do that. Uh, Is, are you like nervous at all about switching from solo recordings to like, like studio with a band recordings? No, I'm really excited. I'm really ready for it. And I think it's the direction that I need to take. And the people that are playing on the record just um, played with me on my, my last tour. So before COVID happened, we were, we were actually in LA when we had to cancel the rest of our tour and I had to drive all the way back to Philly. Um, Jeez. But I took this band called Roseville, um, who are an amazing band. And they not only played every night, 
for their own band, they also were my backing band for the tour and they're going to play on the record. So I'm really, really excited about that. And since we've already played together for a tour, they know my vision. They know the feeling that I'm trying to emit when I play. I think they really understand what I want to do with it. So I'm really not too worried about it. And I trust Corey hundred percent. He's the only person I could think of recording with. So is that going to like come out next year or 2022 or? I, I honestly don't know. We were trying to get it done. Um, like ASAP, but then this all happened. So uh-huh. I'm not totally sure what the timeline is. I'm taking a social distance walk with Joe, um, my, my label head this week sometime, I think probably Wednesday or Thursday. Um, we're going to talk about what, what to do, like what the plan is. And then I got to reschedule my time with Corey, make sure that um, Morgan, Jake and Jack are free and go from there. So probably at the earliest next year, um, I'm, I'm honestly not that stressed about it. I want it to be as good as it possibly can be. And if it takes a little bit longer then I'm fine with it. For sure. Um, well, let's talk about, uh, stud count and drill sergeant then. Yeah. Um, I, there's so, it's so fun. Um, so yeah, I play bass in a band called stud count and a band called drill sergeant. Stud count is, we call it power pop. I don't really know what it is. It, it kind of bridges power pop and hardcore and punk all together. We started like we wanted to make a wipers worship band because all of us love wipers um, in the vein of like spiritual cramp and, and bands like that. But I think the oh, I should, should I should send you the promo. Actually, we finished our promo. I think I did actually. Um, yeah, you did. Okay, cool. But yeah, the, I feel like that one's more like Charlie Bliss, Angel Dust, kind of that realm, which mm-hmm. I'm excited about. So we're looking for a label to put that promo out, and we already have another record written, so excited about that. And that's and all Philly people in that band? or Say again? Is that Philly people in that band? Yeah, yeah, all Philly people. Um, Matt and Narelle, um, they're married. They live like around the corner from me. And then Brett... Um, he lives in South Philly, so. Word. And yeah. it, Drill and Sergeant, the same, is it, did you say Drill Sergeant, the same, 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 same people, minus Norell, and then add this guy from, he actually lives in uh, Tennessee, he lives in like Nashville, or Murfreesboro, maybe, I can't remember which one. Um, but, so we've never even had a practice, <laughs> which is uh-huh. funny. But he plays guitar in it, and then um, I play bass, Matthew also plays guitar in fronts, or I don't know if he's actually going to play guitar, we're trying to figure it out. Um, and then Brett plays drums, but we already recorded our demo, um, or an EP and we put that out on Bandcamp. and, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but we just, we just got picked up. We signed a label like three days ago. So hell yeah, that rules. Yeah. Excited about that. We have a full length already written. Um, I think they're doing some seven inches for us and some tapes as well for that demo. So I'm really excited about that. And then I'm in this like more shoegazy project called Doug, which is just me and Brett. Brett and I just want to be in every band together. <laughs> um, and the, his roommate, his name is Tom. We're all doing a project, which I'm excited about that too. Are you planning any tours for next year with any of these projects or is it still just kind of no. like wait and see? I, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody does. So I would rather just wait 
and see what the CDC and what the people that are way smarter than me say is safe before I even try to do anything like that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, it is weird seeing bands, you know, announcing tours for, at the, you know, the end of the year or for the fall or whatever. I understand wanting to be hopeful, um, but I just, I don't know. I, I think that even if tours do happen and people say, yeah, it's safe to go, I probably won't feel comfortable going because I have people that I care about who are at risk. And if I contract COVID, I don't want them to get sick. And I mean, I don't want to get sick either. So yeah, yeah I would, I would just rather hold off. How about like live streaming? Are you doing any live stream performances? No, I did a couple in the beginning of quarantine, but honestly, I just, I, I, I can't, I don't, I don't like it. It stresses yeah. me out. I, mean, I don't like it either. I, it feels like it's, and I mean, all, all shows are obviously a performance, but those performances to me, the live streams feel like an act of display and it doesn't, I like to interact with people. Yeah. It's the only way that my, cause I've, I've, I have anxiety pretty bad. Um, obviously I don't use drugs anymore, so I can't numb that, that anxious feeling. And one thing that I learned how to do to cope with it, like a, like a healthy coping mechanism was, you know, sit at the merch table and wait for people to come talk to me and then have a conversation. And then my anxiety kind of like alleviates. And you can't do that on a live stream. You can't talk to people. You're talking to a blank phone and then waiting for a comment to pop up maybe a couple seconds later. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, no, that's real. I, though, personally would like to stream some video games, I think. I would rather stream a video game than play a song. I feel that very hard, even though I don't play video games. I, I could do, like, The Sims or, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon, maybe. Hmm, I think people would probably watch that. But my roller coaster tycoon game would be like they. This is so morbid, but I would like wait till they get on the track and then I'd pause it and then I'd remove uh, the track. So then when you press play again, they go zoom. Hell yes, <laughs> dude, that rocks. Yeah, I, I mean, I would do the classic thing in The Sims where you like put them in the pool and take out the ladder or like fill up yeah. a, fill up a room with fireplaces and stick some and trash cans there. Yes, or the in the newer games you could build a, like four walls around the person and they go they go crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of like where we are now. <laughs> that is how I feel. <laughs> um hey, well thanks for doing this with me, Haley. This has been fun. So much. Yeah, it's nice. I feel like we don't get to talk as much as we should. So, I appreciate the conversation. Yeah, I even like before this, I feel like I didn't. We don't really see each other that often, despite living in the same city. No, I feel like we always tried to line things up, but it just never worked out with schedules. So yeah, offer stands if you want to come sit on my porch and social distance hang. Dude, for sure. I'll I'll definitely hit you up about that, and I also gotta send you a picture of the corduroy jacket that I'm looking for. <laughs> I will probably find one for you within like 24 hours. Oh yeah. <laughs>